0: KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening where we are set to talk about another special topic. As you know, if you are a faithful listener, each and every Thursday, I respond to a question you send to me, or questions, I should say. Now, this evening is going to be a little different. Uh, I was in the radio station today, and I was in conversation with the station manager, Andrew Palmquist, and we got to talking And I thought, you want to know what? I should just grab him, and we should put this on air. And then uh, another good friend of mine came in, John, and I said, hey, why don't you come and join us? And so here we are, the three of us, myself, Andrew Palmquist, the station manager, and John. uh, John John Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So John. Wonderful to be here. So guys, thank you. Uh, It's great to have you on this program. Now, part of the reason why I asked you to join me is because, well the conversation that we had, but also that we've had in the past, it's stimulating conversation, and often it is tied to faith, politics, and the rest, and I know our listening audience is is very much in tune with what's been going on out there, and so, Andrew, maybe you can get us started, because when I asked you to join me, you said something that I thought would be a good launching point.
1: Yeah, hi, hi, Joe. So I, I said that I wasn't sure with the situation, um, specifically with politics, because it, the uh, circumstances are so dizzying, and I know that all the tactics that they're using right now against us are tactics, then next time around, we're going to feel that we're now allowed to use those tactics against them. So mm-hmm. it's going to be that they're colluding with China, or that they, that they have a backroom deal with Japan. And it's going to be these off-the-rails investigations that have little to no basis in fact. And this current election was the only election that I've been aware of where, no matter the results, one of the candidates was going to be the subject of another FBI probe. So it was either going to be Hillary or Trump. And so since Trump won, now they're investigating him. If Hillary would have won, then we would have been digging through her emails again for two years. Yeah.
0: So the question before us then is, what do you do with this? Where you have two parties pointing fingers at each other. And I know, Andrew, one of the points you made in the other room was, well, hey, here we have this set of rules that you know we're using against the other party. And well, that party is going to be using the same rules against us. What makes us right or what makes us wrong? And there I think lies a deeper question and maybe the most important question for us as Christians and that is can we ascertain that there's such a thing as truth specifically something that comes from outside of us mm. and as our faithful listeners know i think the resounding answer to that is yes of course we can and so as we talk about truth this evening and and offshoots of it i think by the end of the evening hopefully we can go back to the question and some of the things you're thinking about, Andrew, to get at the heart of it. And so with that, what I would like to start with, guys, is John chapter 14, verse 6, where Jesus says, not I am a way, a truth, and a life, but the way, the truth, and the life. So he's not speaking there in the abstract, but he's speaking in the imperative. He's speaking in the absolute. Essentially, he's saying there is such a thing as truth. It's just not what we think is out there. There's something to discover out there. We have the ought because there was first and is, and that is, as well, Jesus Christ. Jesus, and, yeah. and so we have to be present to this overarching truth that is Jesus Christ himself. And something to this discussion, guys, that I think is very important is the reality of the question of truth as it relates from Pilate to Christ. When Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? Because he doesn't give a response by words per se. And isn't that fascinating? The only time that Jesus Christ is asked the explicit question, what is truth, he doesn't (laughs) say anything. But he picks up his cross and he goes to Mount Calvary. He's persecuted in the name of the question. Now we know that Jesus at the end of the Beatitudes says, what, but blessed are those who are persecuted in my name for theirs is the kingdom of God, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So as we talk about truth, we have to start thinking about it within the context of, well, Jesus Christ, and ultimately persecution.
1: Would you refer to that as like a dichotomy, when it it appears from all outside speculation that we're failing, when at the same time in, in Christ we're succeeding?
0: Yeah, God will use all things at his disposal. I believe and something called, Andrew, the mathematics of God, <laughs> mm. a phrase coined by one Fulton Sheen, where he says, where we think there is loss, there is actually gain. Where we think there is a negative, there is actually a positive. Where we think something has gone wrong, something has gone right. Where there's death, there, there's life. This is the ancient law of sacrifice, really what we're talking about here. And ultimately, it is the unconventional, conventional wisdom of Christianity, mm. right? And that's what's revealed on the cross. Just when Satan thinks he's won, he's lost. So yeah, to get at your question, I I think there is a dichotomy. And what I would encourage us to do with any question is to juxtapose what is going on in the world politically with what happened on the cross and Mm -hmm. to maybe gain wisdom. It doesn't mean we don't fight for truth. But again, (laughs) to even say that, what does it mean to say truth? Mm Mm-hmm. Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, so certainly there's something to fight for, and certainly St. Paul echoes that. We fight for souls, we evangelize, we catechize, mindful that, yeah, there's something going on in the world that does not belong to Christ, and we overcome it by what he did
2: on the cross. And that could happen to us, and in fact it will, because as Christ followers, God puts us in the position, and we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Amen.
0: <laughs> our Father is a Father who keeps His promises, you know, and we need to follow <laughs> through on our promises when we mm. say what we say in our baptism. You know, there is a baptismal formula, and that baptismal formula is one of being in God for other, and so part of our response to our baptismal vocation is to live in charity, to, to, to will the good of the other for the sake of other under all in any circumstance, right? So... Again, this has its own context in the world, guys, and certainly we need to be asking the important questions specific to what this looks like in the conversations we have. Yeah,
2: I I think persecution is one we always have to be aware of. It's not in our life today. It's not in our political system very much today, but other it has existed in the world very much.
0: Yeah, I mean, we see... Christians being persecuted throughout the world. Yes. I would say, though, too, John, that within the United States of America, there is a quiet persecution going on, specific to how the moment a Christian speaks up about their faith, they're condemned. But this is what, again, Jesus promises, right? You can no longer pray in the public school, and if you do, then everyone's pointing the finger at you. That's being persecuted. So while it not be on the same scale as those who might be persecuted in China— for example, or uh, North Korea, there is another kind of persecution going on. And of course, I know we're all on the same page as it relates to abortion. There's a great persecution of the unborn.
1: And and even in discussing this topic today, I'd mentioned whether there were bumpers or guardrails on what issues we want to discuss. I think that some of those bumpers and guardrails should be in place uh, politically so that we can... Benefit more of a healthy dialogue, mm, and there should mm. be hopefully when, when the shoes on the other foot, and when we're a little bit down on our luck politically, that we don't go um, rampantly accusing people of things they haven't done just to instigate maybe a couple of a point swing on the next yeah, in the next election. Yeah. So we need some kind of rules, and we can't necessarily run around with our heads cut off screaming baby killers at every Democrat. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But that's essentially what they're doing now to Trump because of some immigration policy. They're saying that he would rather the children die and starve and that they be separated from their parents.
0: Well, what you speak to there, Andrew, I think is very important as it relates to having the reasonable conversation. To some degree, this goes back to our initial point About truth itself. Can we put something in the middle that's outside of us that would be a point of commonality? Right. I mean, Peter makes it clear. Give reasons for the hope that is inside of you, he says in 1 Peter 3.15, but do so in what? But the virtues of gentleness and reverence. Mm -hmm. Gentleness and reverence, those are the virtues that allow the conversation to be had. I have often, guys, spoken of the art of listening, a phrase that has been coined by uh, Pope Francis, certainly employed by others, but the art of listening is really about allowing the person to share their story. Each Mm -hmm. and every one of us has a story to tell. Now, we might be of the same mind, but even if we are from the same mind, we have a different background. We all have a story to tell, and the only way we are going to be able to speak to that story, no matter what side of the rail you're on, you have to listen To what they say, to where that person comes from, as the proverb says, "Listen more to speak
1: better." That ties in directly with sharing, sharing the truth in love, and some of it is about timing. It's okay to say something, but you need to say it at the right, appropriate time. Mm. Amen. If we don't moderate ourselves, then the dialogue is just going to spiral continually, and there won't—I don't think there would be any end to it.
0: You're right. I mean, we really do have to be champions. Of these virtues, these twin virtues of gentleness and reverence in today's time, because otherwise when the script turns, what is this going to look like? What what authority are we going to stand on?
1: Mm -hmm. And it seems to be even the way Satan plays games, how he'll twist scripture even when he's enticing Christ to sin. Mm -hmm. He would Mm -hmm. twist something that's positive and say, but is it so? Is this really true? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. God, God won't let his anointed strike his heel on a rock, but we... We'll hear those things, and for some reason, it'll click in our primal brains that we'll hear a quick news bite, and we'll think, maybe that is true. Okay, yeah, maybe there yeah. is a big, dark conspiracy afoot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but instead of focusing on more, what more sound minds and sound logic would prevail.
0: What I hear in, in what you're saying right now, Andrew, is that as we talk about reverence and gentleness, we also have to be attentive to the virtue of recollection, the drawing back. Recently, I've wondered if... We are all just so close to a picture that we can't make out its accents and its shape and form. And by that, I mean, I think we're all called right now to take just not one step back, but two, three, five, seven steps back to see the picture for what it is. I mean, if I'm going to look at a great art piece, I'm going to take the necessary steps back to appreciate what I'm looking at, to see how one color gives shape and form to another color, how the picture is complementary to the color. And I can only do that if I take the necessary steps back. Today in our political conversations, we're so close to it, right? We're not Mm. seeing the whole picture for what it is. And I I think this is, if I'm interpreting you properly, Andrew, this Mm -hmm. is some of what you're talking about right now, just taking a step back, seeing the whole for what it is, espousing towards those virtues of gentleness and reverence. And uh, so, yeah, we not only see the picture for what it is, but now we can then engage the conversation as we ought in those great virtues
2: that's a part of art that's a part of life and and indeed we do that i also like the quality of reverence mm-hmm. and and how important that is for us to be
0: yeah and, and and reverence is a word that just doesn't speak to some pious disposition but the latin actually renders a space given so someone can enter Right? So, so reverence, as it speaks to piety and how we might be pious before God on bended knee, it does so because the humble disposition brings about a deeper awareness of where God might be working in our life. Well, mm-hmm. if we put this into the context of our conversations, what does that mean? What is Peter saying? Well, to have... Uh, the disposition of reverence and to espouse towards that virtue is to allow another person in the conversation. Wow. Right? Isn't that interesting? That's what Peter's after. Peter's after yeah. the conversation. Just not, listen to me, this is what I have to say, but let me hear what you have to say. Right? St. Thomas Aquinas once said, the first principle of all theology is vulnerability. What did he mean by that? Well, to make ourselves vulnerable to another person's reason. That is to say, to die to the secret judgments of our heart that we might listen to other. And then, and only then, can we respond as we ought to other. And again, I bring this back to your initial point, Andrew. Here we are in today's very charged political climate. We need to, to reinvigorate these virtues that we speak of speak to this evening.
1: Do you think that believers or, or people of different political mindset will have the self-control when the shoe's on the other foot? Do you think it's easier for us to say right now because we feel like we're getting a, maybe a pro-life Supreme Court justice and maybe certain changes are happening on a state level. But if it goes back the way it was, do you think we'll have a hard time moderating ourselves in, in that regard? Did we have that
0: sentiment in the eight years previous to Trump?
1: I feel like we did to an okay. extent. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there wasn't, it could have been a lot worse. And yeah. in my mindset, I was hoping that Obama would have been more of a Democrat. It's just, it seemed like a lot of the promises that he was making, even to his own party, that he would turn around and not keep any of those mm-hmm. promises. Sure. So I, I wanted to just see somebody where their yes was yes, their no was no, they had a certain amount of trustworthiness or a, a conscience behind the words that they were saying. Sure, sure. And I think that we kind of got a politician again. Yeah. What I believe that we have, if things go the way it looks like they're going, is that we have somebody with a conscience in, in Donald Trump.
0: To then get to your original question, this is the challenge before us, right? I mean, really, as we're talking about this, this is the challenge before us.
1: But we know human nature that fear motivates. And so yeah. if, they can, if everybody can instigate... A crowd by screaming fire and telling them that the either the country, the world, their house, whatever is on fire, so let's go run out there and vote the next guy in. It's going to be the then that's the strategy that we'll use next time, and it it just it it becomes um, duplicative or it becomes
2: duplicitous. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's there's no there's no end game. There's no point. There's just, it's just trash talk, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's yes. not, not appropriate political discord, but then we don't necessarily want the poli- polished politician that has the right answer to all of our questions either. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. We, we need this balance between somebody that has had an actual change of heart and now sees the pro-life message and values as something that they can espouse to, and then also, you know, they'll, they'll give the right questions when they're in a debate and they also follow through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And right now, I'd, I don't see that candidate even in, in Obama and what he did in the previous eight years. Mm-hmm. Well
0: said, Andrew. That is, again, the challenge before us moving forward, no matter the circumstances. To the person who comes to me and says, Joe, it's, it's getting so dark out there. Mm-hmm. You know, what should we do? Well, be the light that Christ calls us to be, because keep in mind, the greater the darkness, the greater the light shines. Mm-hmm. Right. So we have this challenge, a word, you know, challenge comes from the Latin provocatio, to call forth, to call out. We have this challenge before us that's going to call us forth, to call us out in who we are as Christians. Are we going to rise above the storm and live the life that we talk about right now, which is a life of gentleness, reverence, espousing towards the intelligible, reasonable conversation, or are we just going to get caught up in the tempest winds and fail to move towards that process of reconciliation. I think to some degree, Andrew, as you're talking there, there's two levels. Certainly on one level, there's the much larger political climate, the senators, the government, that they are where they are. But even on a more personal level, soul by soul, individual by individual, Christian by Christian, there's, there's things that we can do that can bring about that sense of peace, that sense of conversation. And my hope is that as we move forward and being realistic about it, as we have these conversations, you know, you change one heart, you change five, you change five, you change 20, so on and so forth.
2: I would also think we would want to aspire to the same traits that we would want our president to have. Mm -hmm. So as that's a part of the interaction that we can can do actively with other people. Yep.
0: If we're pro-Trump and we don't recognize maybe some of the, the lack of tact... Right, then that would be a failure on our part. right? Yeah. Are we just going to turn around and lack the same tact? No, we, we espouse towards those Christian virtues. And maybe on one level, yeah, Trump is a man who's going to speak his mind. As you just spoke to it, Andrew, at least we get some honesty and some truth from a politician. But does this mean we behave in the same way? Not necessarily, <laughs> but at the same time, I think it also means that, hey, if he's speaking truthful and honestly, then we recognize that for what it is, a, a virtue. I mean, the man is not without virtue. And I think that's a, a big point to be had, because the virtue of truthfulness, in a manner of speaking next to humility, is the first practical virtue. Because if you don't have truth, then what do you have? Wow. Right? I mean, if you don't have what? truth, what do you have? If, if what we're talking about right now isn't true, then what's the point of the next point? Right. <laughs> It's an untruth, and we know Satan is the father of all lies. Oh, very good. You know, Satan has nothing in <laughs> of himself. At best, he can plagiarize truth, and he plagiarizes truth very oh, yes. well. Yes. He plagiarizes truth mm. very well, but he's still just plagiarizing. Mm. Only God possesses absolute truth, and as such, we see truth as a great and important virtue, mm-hmm. and to that, to that, what is true in our current presidency is... Is actually a noble good, and we have to recognize that for what it is. These other things that he might fail in by way of his character, okay, fine. Well, we all have shortcomings. Yes, we do. But in the light of everything we're talking yes. about, do our shortcomings mean that we point the finger? No, no, mm-hmm. no. We recognize truth for what it is and the untruth for what it is, and we move forward in the, in the conversations we need to have.
1: Do you feel like it's the believer's job noticing the the changing political winds? And then to for us as Christians to step in and help the marginalized, who, whether it's under, under a Democratic president or a Republican president, should, should we be um, serving the orphans and, and widows and the aliens among us? Of course? Or, or should we be you know reaching out to the businessmen that lost their jobs under Obama? Or, or what, should, should we play to both teams depending on who's being marginalized by the politics? Or is it our job to say, yeah, we were right. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: here's the thing, and this, this again goes back to truth itself. Christ revealed that he is absolute truth, and as such, what did he also communicate? Well, we already spoke to Pilate in his response to the question, mm. what is truth? His response to the question of what is truth is an embrace of poverty itself. So as Jesus embraces the poverty of the cross, what is he embracing? The without moment, if you will. Poverty mm. just means to be without, Right to be without, to be in need of something. You talk about the businessman Mm -hmm. who lost his job, and and you talk about the alien. Mm -hmm. You talk about the unborn, you talk about the immigrant. While there's certainly a hierarchy there with the unborn being first, because you can't be a human rights activist and be against life itself, certainly we are present to the whole, and being present to the whole is a Christian virtue in that this is what Christ embraced. So you embrace, as Christ did, those who are in need, and whether you're a businessman who lost his job, or you're an immigrant, that person in need is in need of our attention, because that's what Christ did.
2: And they are right in front of you, and when the person and the situation is in front of you, that's what you address.
0: Amen. I like that, John. I like that. What's in front of you? And we have to remember that Jesus came, as the gospel reminds us, to proclaim the good news to the poor, to proclaim Christ's saving, transforming love to those who are in need. So again, getting back to your question, Andrew, I would say a resounding yes, that truth itself is not tied to whether you are a Democrat or Republican. Mm. While revealed truth might point to one more than the other, it's never reduced to that. I think part of the problem today is that we identify first not as a christian but as a democrat or republican <laughs> that is a big big misstep yeah right because in the end while one might be more akin to truth itself there's a ceiling to it because in the end it's just another political party yeah. only christ as the sum total of truth if that makes sense
2: mm. absolutely it yeah. makes sense yeah.
1: and you're missing opportunities if you see it only as a hypothetical instead of solving the real, mm. the real issues that are in front of you on a day-to-day basis, if you're focused on some hi- hypothetical house fire that's driving everybody insane, then you, I guess you would tend to put on blinders or to prejudice someone when you either see them as associating from the opposite party, opposite race, opposite politically, or some other way. Mm. I guess we would need to have a heart for people yeah. um, in, in need, the way, well, the way Christ did.
0: Well said. What's the first thing that God sanctified? If you were to go into the book of Genesis, we read that the first thing God sanctified, the first thing that God made holy was time itself. Time itself. So time itself is the great gift before us. And I tell you, John, when you say, be present to the person before us, and as you speak to what you're saying there, Andrew, I can't help but think of the great gift of time. Mm -hmm. And whoever God gives us in that great gift of time. I'm going to yes. leave the radio station here and go over to Panera Bread, okay? <laughs> it doesn't get any more ordinary than going to a, a, you know, a coffee shop or a cafe to have lunch, right? Not to demean Panera Bread Panera <laughs> Bread fans out there, but mm-hmm. I'm going to meet people over there at Panera Bread. Am I, am I just going to have another lunch or is it going to be an opportunity for me to meet with someone yes. and talk about the greatness of God's love in a very difficult time? And so, I think in the end, when you talk about that dizzying factor, Andrew, specific to, you know, can we ever have that conversation? If we, carpe diem, you know, seize the moment, seize the day mm-hmm. as a gift from God, we can have the necessary impact that God is calling us to. Uh, maybe <laughs> the biggest problem today is we try to solve everyone else's problems, <laughs> but not our own, uh, right? Right. <laughs> Let's start solving our own problem and giving glory to God in our own conversations. Amen? Amen. 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 I don't know if you guys have any closing thoughts. This is something to say. This was a lot of fun. I know this was very spontaneous, very impromptu, but this was a lot of fun.
1: I would just think that part of our taking up our cross daily is that being willing to be silent the way Christ was silent, mm. and also being willing to wait for the proper timing to mm. bring... Bring something to someone's attention. Mm. That's and that's how we practically show the truth in love, and how we bring spiritual the spiritual things into a practical place and time, like you mentioned, pan, pa, Panera Bread.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so we, but we have to take up our cross daily in that little thing of allowing ourselves to be persecuted, and allowing maybe to delay what we see as a, an inevitable. If you step in God's place and you force it to happen, now you are Satan. Because mm. Satan wow. was the worship leader of heaven. And he could still be the worship leader of heaven, but he tried to step in an inappropriate place and take power that wasn't his. Mm. Mm. And, ev- and that's, that's the, the forbidden fruit in all of our life, is to you step in place of God and you go make this happen, mm. instead mm. of waiting for God's timing
2: to unfold.
0: Beautifully said, Andrew. I don't know, John, if you have any closing thoughts.
2: Bring glory to God through Jesus Christ and with the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: (laughs) Amen. I guess my closing thought is just to piggyback you a little bit, Andrew. You know, uh, you speak of silence, and I love that. Silence is a virtue because it's that willingness to not say something when you can't say something when God is calling you to listen more so as to speak better. And uh, to have that sense of interior discipline is invaluable today so that the conversations we have, just not in our faith conversations, but also in our political conversations, can go where they need to go, which ultimately, hopefully, is truth itself. Mm -hmm. All right, let us close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen, and God bless you.
2: And amen.